stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach's very own senior strategist, Jeremy Mullen, who also runs the Commodity Innovators portfolio here at Zach's. So he's been on the podcast before talking about commodities. So I thought this was a good time to have him come back on because things are apparently happening in the commodities world. I mean, they always are, but it seems like like we may see some kind of bullish patterns in a couple of things, or maybe not. I don't know, but it does seem like we are. So I invited Jeremy back on and we're doing the video podcasting again. So we're back to that. If you want to get the video podcast, you can get it on our regular YouTube channel. Just go over to uh, Zach's Investment Research on on YouTube or zax.com slash YouTube will take you right there and you can get it. But you can also be listening on our normal uh, audio podcasting platforms like Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, and as well as on our YouTube podcasting channel, we'll have the audio version. But uh, after that big introduction, welcome to the podcast, Jeremy. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be back. Yeah, um, we had to get all dressed up to be on it now, now that we're doing the video. Uh, nobody knows the amount of effort it takes to like look decent for these video podcasts now. <laughs> yeah, <we are laughs> like you have it. to do your hair, you have to like get, you know, this, you got the suit and the tie out oh, yeah. today. Have to look good. Yeah, it's impressive. And for you listeners, we look really good. Right, right. Um, <laughs> so commodities, Jeremy, like, we were kind of talking about this a little bit, you know, off the podcast. And we've been talking about it as a group here at Zach's because things are happening, you know, with the lithium side, with the EV batteries. Um, copper seems to be interesting at the moment, even though China's struggling. Not sure what's going to happen with that. But I, I turn it over to you to give us some insight about what is happening here. Are we in a commodities bull market in anything? Is it bearish because of what's going on with the, you know, apparent slowing of the global economy, even though it's not really slowing? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I brought you on to give us some insights. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a lot of moving parts with commodities as there always is. Um, we started the year off pretty rough, especially in the energy, natural gas, oil really took a tumble. Um, a lot of the uh, the ags pulled back um, after that initial run up from the uh, Ukraine Russia fears of last year. So a lot of stuff that went up came in, and of course you had the Fed fighting higher prices the whole whole last year. So we had to see a lot of deflation in a lot of these prices. So starting to see some comeback in some areas, uh, more specifically in like energy. So oil has come well off the lows. Natural gas is starting to tick higher. And uh, that's not the case all over. And, you know, if we kind of just if we want to look at that chart we were talking about earlier, this is a, a, a great um, site from Trading Economics. They can't just show you how everything is performed uh, year to year, month on a monthly basis and all that. So if you look um, on the energy side of things, it feels like crude oil is up on the air, but we're down 6% still, right? And natural gas is down 71%. And it's just, the, these haven't rallied, even though they feel like they have 
come up significantly. And so there's still a lot of pressure. And like you said earlier, you cited China, and we're seeing some study today and over the last week. A lot of the economic data out of China has really been bad, like COVID time bad. So it's like, are we seeing another canary in the coal mine over there in China? And, you know, that's kind of my main fear when I, you know, I, I kind of want to get bullish, but when I see stuff coming out of China, really get worried, especially when it comes to these metals, uh, copper, and of course the energy markets like oil, if that demand isn't there, we're going to come all the way back down in crude oil again, despite what's happened here in the U.S. Like Atlanta Fed just said 5% GDP. Normally that'd be great. Like you'd want to right. buy oil on that, but. Right. You'd see it rally. Yeah, but China is going to be the guy that really takes us down if, if they start slumping. Now, is that, let, let's expand on that a little bit though, um, because we've all been thinking that, you know, if China doesn't come out of their zero COVID, you know, gangbusters, or if they, they go into a recession, which they haven't had in like 25 or 30 years, like a homegrown one, they've had the great recession and some of those other ones, but not like their very own recession. If they don't, you know, have a big uh, return to their economic growth, it has always been the thought like, oh, commodities are doomed because say for copper, they're like the second largest, you know, consumer of copper. And uh, on some of these others, they're probably number one even. But I don't know. I'm beginning to question that the longer their economy isn't coming out of it, we aren't really seeing the, the commodity prices react negatively to the weakness that's over there. Yeah, I mean, you, you are seeing some though. So if we go down here, yeah, I mean, there are like the iron ore, the steel, the titanium, these kind of metals that, that look at the last month. I mean, this is kind of when, you know, all this data started to hit. So you are seeing some pressure on that just when this data, when people are realizing, and I think it's like, we expected China to come back out of that zero COVID thing. It just hasn't happened. And it's actually, things are pretty bad. So that's the worry. That's the main worry. I think that's why you're seeing pressure on even stocks today is that this expectation of China coming back is just not coming to fruition. And while we're doing good here, what's going on? What is this canary coal mine? So it's for me, it's more of a sideways action when you have these moving parts kind of conflicting with each other. And that's like a lot of economic data too. It's like, oh, you know, <laughs> this manufacturing number was good, right? But this industrial number was bad or retail sales was bad. And then the next month it's the opposite. So there's a lot of conflicting data out there. And I think it presents in the commodity world, this, uh, when you look at the global scale, this kind of sideways pattern that could set up. And, you know, I was short, I was uh, short in uh, Counter-Strike oil think the price action was not good. And then OPEC comes into play and that's what really turned the tides lately. And so what I'm looking at, you had this China kind of slump. Now what is OPEC gonna do to keep oil prices elevated? Do they continue cutting more? They can't really do that. Do they just stay pat? And do they just try to get like a balanced kind of oil market? Perhaps that's what we're gonna see. Um, so I could go over the oil chart and kind of maybe look at what levels we want to watch if you want me to do that. Yeah, let's do that. I cover oil a lot on the various podcasts, so we might as well have the technician well, I have, tell us. Uh, I have gold up here. <laughs> For you guys listening, I'll, I'll try to do uh, recite the levels best of my ability. Let's bring up oil. Okay, so we had the 
plunge back in March, right? All the way down to 64. And that's when we were short in Counter-Strike. That was, we were long SCO, which is an ETF that you can uh, play if you want to get short the oil market. And we rallied back up this 200-day moving average, which is this red line for you listeners that was all the way up at 84. And then we plunged again, all the way down to those prior lows, 64. That's tremendous volatility in two months. You're talking 64 to 84, all the way down to 64. Then we kind of meandered sideways around the uh, lower 70s. And this was every time uh, oil would dip under 70, it seems like oil would, uh, or OPEC would come out with a new headline that they're going to cut production again, right? And uh, the Saudis were the leaders of all this. They they were taking charge. And eventually it worked. Um, You know, we... We went through like March with some of those banking fears. So there was a lot of uh, fear in the general market overall that held, uh, you know, where is all this demand going to come from? So that hurt oil prices. But when we got past all that and we kind of broke out in the equity market in June, the oil market took off with it. And so the demand's coming back. And with OPEC cutting, it was let's buy all the oil in the world. <laughs> so it was, uh, I, we had to cover our short as soon as it broke the 200 day moving average, which is around 75, it went straight to 85, uh, has come off that recently with these Chinese fears. And just looking at support levels, we tested the 21 day moving average at 8050. I'm looking at this 200 day moving average way down at 77. As I want to see how this plays out and what the equity markets do at the same time. And I wouldn't be I would be looking to buy some oil stocks uh, in in this area. So I'm going to be looking and watching this closely. Around 77? Around 77, yeah. Okay. Um, What about if it, you know, let's say it retests that, but is 85 the key level then? If If it busts out past 85, where does it go? Yeah, so, you know, I like the FIBS. So what I like to do is uh, to to have an extension drawn here, I can give us targets on where it might go. So from those April highs to the lows in May, what that would give me if this wants to continue higher is an extension up near 96. So that would be my target. Um, so what I want to do is I don't want to chase this up. So I'm looking for that pullback technical support to hold uh, in that 76 to $77 range, uh, depending on what the equity markets are doing at the time. I would love to grab some uh, of your big oil names and just play that ride into the end of the year. Yeah. Would that be the the pure play producer big oils or the integrated big oils? Or does well, it matter? Your, your safer bets are the big diversified ones. That, and that's okay. what I've always liked. So if you're- So you, Chevron, you know, Chevron, ticker Exxon, CDX. Yeah, you, Exxon. Yeah. Th- those are, you know, if you want to take more risks, you can get those kind of higher beta ones like the drillers and stuff. Or you can do the ETFs, like XLE is one I would watch. I'll even bring that up on the screen. Um, XLE or XLP. I have all these different levels on XLE because I do look at this a lot. But uh, if you're looking at XLE, maybe around the $85 area is what we'd be watching. Um, XOP is going to be a a bigger mover and a little more uh, volatile. Um, XOP is the producers, right? Yeah, the the oil and gas explorers. Yeah, okay. So that one's really done nice. 120 to 150 in just, uh, what, two months? That's a big move yeah. um, there. So that's definitely uh, due for a retracement. Um, you're looking at 135 area. 
uh, is probably the good spot to uh, take a look at it and see how it reacts. Yeah, a lot of people have been, you know, trading the energies over the last couple of years because it's been so volatile. I mean, these, you know, this is just this year. Last year was a wild ride, too. Right. But, you know, looking back at the screen, let me zoom out for you. Look what we've done since here. Let me zoom in even more going all the way back before the, um, you know, all the way back to 2007. It doesn't that look like the middle of the big range. Right. So we're kind of in the middle of where we've been over. I mean, Jesus chart goes back 20 years. So uh, pretty interesting uh, to see. We're just like this has been a magnet, this 70 to 80 dollar area. Right. It's it's not anywhere near that. Those all time highs from 2007, just for people who are listening in. <laughs> right. we're, we're not close to that. Right. Yeah. OK. Now, what about gold? I, I get tweeted at all the time about gold. There's all these gold bugs out there now, apparently, and they're all telling me, Tracy, you're dumb to buy stocks. You should be in gold. You should be buying as much as you can. I'll talk to you again a year from now. See you then. That's what they're telling me. So I wanted to have you on to talk about gold too, because am I missing something? You know, is, is it about to break out? What, what's going on with it? Yeah, sure. If they told you that at the, you know, the beginning of February it's a, or at the end of January, it's the same spot it was and stocks have moved significantly higher. So stocks have been a far better okay. place to be in, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Gold, I, you know, I somewhat agree. I'm not a big gold guy um, just because uh, my experience, it has gone sideways for whenever I buy it. <laughs> it's sideways to down. Uh, it can be get pretty technical. So I try to look at, at those technical levels. And it's been in this technical setup for a while. Uh, since the uh, beginning of February, we broke that 2000 area. 61.8% retracement has held up. And we bought the miners in here in Commodity Innovators, uh, thinking that was just a nice uh, w way to play it. Um, and we come kind of back down to that same area. So we have a double bottom chance. And during this What is that time, area? What is the area you oh, bought sure, the miners sure. at? 1920 is the retracement, okay. but we have this 200 day moving average uh, creeping up at 1905. And that's gonna kind of line up with my support level. I've had 2150 targets on gold, uh, basically since that um, pullback in May. Uh, I've been looking for that uh, for a while now. And I'm gonna bring up the GDX for you listeners too. Um, the only, my only worry is why is this lagging? Um, Okay, so the GDX is the miners. Yeah, that's the gold miners. The miner so ETF. We bought this uh, earlier in the year in Commodity Innovators uh, near these bottoms. It was a similar setup where it came into the 61.8 uh, retracement. And guess what? You know, it filled my targets up there at 36. So we bought around 27, sold at 36. We bought it back under 30. Uh, you know, just looking at the gold chart, I still like it. And it's bleeding. And, you know, yeah. it, I'm a little worried of gold because these miners are have no love a couple of reasons maybe um due to uh the 10-year and where it is and how it keeps on going up why old own these gold miners and have gold risk and they, they do pay nice dividends but not as good as a 10-year right now so why do i want to own these gold miners that could be a reason why they're bleeding now if gold can get going over 2000 this will find some love again I think really what has to happen is rates have to start coming in a little bit before this happens. Um, okay. 
and perhaps some dollar weakness would be nice as well. Uh, if you guys are interested in the miners, um, we're at 28, a little over 28 now. If we get back over 31, there might be potential for this to expand higher into the end of the year if gold is over 2000. So that's kind of like what you want to see. You see gold over 2000, the miners or uh, GDX over 31. Now you said the miners, obviously, that's the whole ETF is bleeding down. Is that true of the major holdings in there? So I'm looking at the list of the major you know, top 10 holdings like Newmont, obviously, yeah, so NEM is the see, ticker. That's yeah, at 2023 lows. Um, okay. Yeah. What is it? Barrick Gold? Is that the other one in there? Yeah. Barrick is number two. ABX so, is the ticker. Not quite at the lows. They just had earnings um, and it's at the post earnings lows. So clearly okay. not enough there to get it going. Um, right. And that's probably why GDX is taking this extra low leg lower. So, um, you know, the chart doesn't look good. The gold chart still looks okay, but these miners, they, they don't look very good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a caution there then. Yeah. So um, what about copper? We kind of mentioned that briefly about when we were talking about China, but it is the smart metal. Dr. Copper, as everybody's always called it, it's supposed to predict when you are going to see global slowdowns or maybe global boom times, maybe. But I, I feel like it's not really predicting anything right now. Right. Um, you know, in January, um, we really shot to the moon and then we haven't hit those highs uh, since. Um, and we're actually down on the year. Uh, for you, those looking at the chart, you can see we've really drifted lower over the last uh, couple of weeks. And this is the China data. This is the China effect on copper. So, you know, we're approaching 2023 lows here. Um, so it is kind of signaling something's wrong. And, you know, this China data is reinforcing that kind of idea that, um, you, you know, maybe not all is right. Now, what we need here for cop for something for this to turn is conflicting data the next month. Uh, you know, China cut interest rates last night and, you know, they're trying to get the bazooka like they always do. Um, but, you know, that didn't really work. Uh, overnight for Hong Kong stocks or much of the Chinese stock, the ADRs you see in the U.S. market. And so it'll be interesting to see their next move and if they can turn the tide. So in regards to copper, uh, in regards to China, copper is one of the best things to know to watch to really get a feel for what's going on. What about the big copper miners like Freeport, McMoran, um, or McMoran? I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, we'll just call it Freeport. What's uh, going on with that one? Like, is is that similar to the gold miners where it's also reflecting weakness in the copper price? Uh, yeah, uh, recently, yes. But this stock has been pretty strong. You can, uh, for those looking at the chart, we're still above the 200-day moving average. It's, uh, let's see, it's, we're up on the year, but not by much. But uh, probably look, looks like the middle of the trading range for the year. Uh so in regards to the you know the copper move it is more diversified than it used to be. you know it had sent some has its hands and other stuff but uh, looking pretty pretty decent if that 200 day moving average breaks it's going to take out some stops maybe we go negative on the year but uh it's a stock that if china turns if the copper market turns it's, it's one to own for sure it, it, okay the copper markets okay I know I've been in and out of it in the value investor portfolio, actually, but it was a little too too volatile for us. <laughs> yeah, so we, we had an exit. Ported earnings late July. It looks like a nice beat. And the stock 
went up about 10%, but it's given all the gains away since. So um, that's likely because of this recent data out of China. Yeah, yeah. And for those wondering, it's paying a yield of about 1.4%, at least on our site. I don't know if it pays variable or anything else, but it's currently supposedly yielding 1.4% on that one. Um, okay. Is there any commodity that you are like secretly watching that nobody really talks about? You don't see it on Twitter and you're finding it intriguing or, or no, maybe there isn't. Well, orange juice is interesting. I'm not sure if I, I don't see a lot of news that you see the occasional news on orange juice, but, um, it's record highs. Um, wow. I didn't know that. Hurricanes in Florida. Um, last year, and then we had a freeze, which wiped out a lot of supply. But they also have, and I don't know much too much about it, but there's a citrus um, disease that is affecting the trees. And what happens, I guess, with this is it 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 uh, it takes the there's less fruit on the tree uh, because of the disease, and it eventually can kill these the trees. So the supply for these uh, for the the orange tree. Uh, juice crops is, is low this year and we're at record highs. Um, so that's one that's really interesting. I saw it was up 3% here. Let me go back to my, um, you can see how much is, is it up this year. Okay. 70, 70% year over year. So that's, that's had a significant move and we're up 13% this month, even 3% today. Wow. So another one that like people don't talk a lot about uh, cocoa or sugar. Those have been some of the leaders this year. Right. Those are some of my other questions on those. Um, I see those are up pretty big. Well, that's not a good sign, though. We want those to go down for inflation. Right. Because chocolate's going to be more expensive. Anything sweet. Luckily, I'm not a sweet guy. I'm a meat guy. So, uh, you know, I'm not affected as much by these prices. But yeah, that's, uh, you know, a stock like Hershey's is going to get hurt. Um, some of these, uh, you know, the producers, mass producers of, I mean, I saw an article about Halloween uh, candy being at the highest uh, cost in years because of what sugar is doing. So, right, uh, right. I did. I did hear about that. Yeah. Um, what about Hershey's? I remember when they were hitting new all time highs. I'm taking a look at their chart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've come way down. Right. And this is just a margin story, right? Um, yeah. They're going to be. Uh, affected by high costs. Now, this is at the, at the almost at the lows of the year. So, I know um, they've been able to push through a lot of that uh, commodity increase in the price increases, but at some point they can't continue to raise the prices like that. Right, and now so. I, I'm showing a chart looking all the way back to uh, you know over 20 years. Wow! And if you're looking for a spot at Hershey's, if this thing uh, continue, if this momentum continued, uh, I'd be looking, the retracement levels for you guys listening are going to be around the 175 to 190 area. That would be like what I would call buy zone where you want to uh, take. Wow. A look that's, that's, what's it at right now? 220. So significant room lower. Um, if I'm short this stock, I can find targets down here. Yeah. Like that same area, like 175 would be the extension. Um, now, of course, prices uh, could improve with, you know, we could have a record cocoa harvest next year and things get better. Um, but, you know, a big problem with the cocoa is uh, just they're having huge production issues in Africa where a lot of the cocoa comes from. You know, there's a new war cook, uh, cooking up there, which who knows how that affects. That could be a reason why it's we popped up recently. Um, so a 
lot of uncertainty, I think, in that market, which is giving a reason to sell Hershey's. Now, what about the beef prices? Uh, a lot of a lot of us going to the grocery store, we're kind of avoiding beef right now. At least I feel like I am, uh, because it just seems really, really high. And you know, at every restaurant I've gone to, anything that has like the steak meal is like crazy expensive. Right. So what's and going I, on I told with you that? I have a fun story about this, right? Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll look at the screen here. I got the prices up, so you can see cattle up. Uh, 23% year over year, and the feeder cattle is, is up as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I love to grill. I'm a big steak guy, burgers, and I'm on my grill. I was on my grill last night in the rain. Uh, that's how much I, I like to grill. But, of course, I love going out uh, for a steak dinner, and uh, prices have gone up significantly. I love my Chicago steakhouses, but when you got two kids, it's an event. you got to get the sitter. And it can be a $300 night now because you're talking about $100 per person to eat after a steak and drinks and everything, right? Yeah. So that's expensive. So, you know, I have a brother up in Wisconsin and he knew, knows a farmer and he said, hey, you want to get on a, a quarter cow with me? I said, yeah, let's do this. So uh, <laughs> we made a weekend of it. We went up to Wisconsin Dells. He met, up, uh, met us. We loaded up the coolers and brought brought back 205 pounds of Wisconsin beef. And I did the math. I got it about $1.50, 60 somewhere in there per pound cheaper than you can really buy it at the, the supermarket. So um, this summer and or this fall, I'm going to be holding off on the steakhouses and I'm going to be <laughs> <laughs> cooking my cow in the backyard. So uh, you, you and your brother split the quarter? Split a half. Oh, you split the half. So each took a quarter. Now, did you get to decide, like, how do they determine which half there must be a good half of the cow that you get or? Well, no, I work? mean, you know, it's half a cow. And then my brother uh, could pick out like what kind of cuts uh, okay. he wanted. Okay. Like, yeah. So, you know, sense. we got some steaks, some T-bones, some ribeyes, some sirloins, even a bunch of roasts. And then, of course, ground beef for the, the burgers and, you know, whatever you want, really. Now, how big, how big were your coolers to get it? Oh like, my God, it was <laughs> <they were> big. <laughs> yeah, it was three full coolers um, and a lot of ice. And But we made it back and I got a deep freezer and we're set. We're set till next spring. We'll probably do it again. Wow. Okay. The things that happen in the Midwest. Yeah, especially when cattle prices are high. <laughs> right, right, right. We take it into our own hands to get those deals out there. Yeah. Um, okay. So this was a good discussion. I think we covered a lot of different areas in the commodities. Obviously, not all of them. We didn't talk about, you know, weed or the grains um, or even like potash or the fertilizers, that kind of stuff. Um, eggs, we haven't talked about. We did talk about eggs on a prior episode, but those have come way down, right? Yeah. If you want to look, look at the chart again, I got it right here um, below the feeder cattle. It's on the bottom, down 45% year over year. So, okay. You can definitely tell at the grocery store, the price has come down. Oh, yeah, yeah, eggs. definitely. Um, and that, there, that's you know, a that good was thing. a big bird flu scare and a lack of supply and then people panicking like the toilet paper issue. You know, it, it, it's, it was pretty, pretty ridiculous, but we're, we're back to where you were on that. Okay, good. Um, somebody's pounding in my building right now. So we're going to wrap it up. But I want to recap the stocks we did talk about on this episode and some ETFs too. So on energy, we talked about the big integrateds that would just be Chevron, ticker CVX, 
Exxon, XOM. I do own Chevron now, which I never did before, but they bought out my little energy producer. So now they gave me shares. So now I'm, I'm an owner of Chevron, just FYI. XLE was the big all over ETF. It's ticker XLE. And then XOP, P as in Paul, is the one that just has the EMPs, the explorers and producers. If you want to go straight on that end, get the XOP. Then we talked about gold. GDX is the gold miner ETF. Um, we also talked about Newmont briefly, ticker NEM, and uh, Barrick is ABX. And then copper FCX for Fremont is the ticker there. And we mentioned Hershey's on the chocolate side. You might want to check that one out, ticker H-S-Y. And as always, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, you can get us on all the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, among other ones, including SoundCloud. But you can also get this video podcast. If you want to see all those charts and what we're talking about, you can get it on Zax.com at Zax.com slash YouTube on the YouTube channel. And I'll be tweeting out the video as well. But be sure to get us somewhere. And I'll see you again next week on the podcast. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.